Welcome to Pharmasoul Chronicles. They said what? Podcast series. I'm your host, Denise Morris, and I will be your guide through the ups, the downs, and the everything in between of my journey as a Black woman in the pharmaceutical industry. From triumphs to trials to those, you've got to be kidding me moments. I'm here to share it all. So let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the They Said What? podcast series. So this episode picks up from the previous one. During and after the tense exchange that occurred, where I believed my personality and interpersonal skill sets were called into question, there were several conversations that happened. I would like to focus on two of them because I think they highlight very interesting points and dynamics for women in particular and how they perceive both their male and female counterparts when they're trying to show support. After expressing my displeasure on the way the conversation transpired with my boss, I also expressed similar concerns with other people that were witness to the event. In one of the exchanges, the person admitted that they did not like how the conversation ended, but then said I was angry in my tone and in my pace of delivery. They also felt as if some of the things that I was bringing up were trying to shape. They then proceeded to tell me that although I might have been trying to prove a valid point, my tone overshadowed it. In response to the words that were said to me, they simply said that the accused did not choose the best words. In another conversation, another person acknowledged that what was said was not appropriate, but then insinuated that the person was just caught off guard. Now I'm going to break these conversations into two parts. The way I was perceived and how I should have acted differently to get a more favorable outcome and the way the other person was perceived. First of all, my tone and pace was considered angry. To dismiss what I had to say because of the way it was perceived to be said is problematic and a textbook definition of tone policing. Tone policing is the action or practice of criticizing the emotional manner in which a person has expressed a point of view rather than addressing the substance of the point itself. I'm not sure who the author is to give proper credit or acknowledgement to, but they say tone policing often relies on an argument that a person must be able to address issues in a calm, rational, and detached way. Of course, if you are not personally affected by a particular topic, it is much easier to be level-headed about it. Demanding that others who are personally affected be just as calm as you are is a way to shut down conversation. Telling me that my tone was angry makes it seem as if displaying any form of negative emotion is bad, particularly for women. At Company Y, I sat in meetings with people where profanity was a part of their vernacular to provide emphasis to something they found frustrating, something I personally find quite offensive. I also sat in meetings with others that were extremely confrontational and dismissive and was told that that was just the way they were. But when it came to me and my emotions and how I presented myself, it was a problem that would lead to me not being heard. The thing that is extremely damaging about tone policing is that it occasionally comes from seemingly well-meaning people. 
They think they are helping you to navigate the world when in reality, they are continuing to reinforce stereotypes, hierarchy, and double standards regarding the way one should behave in a corporate setting to be taken seriously. The concept of tone policing is generally said to affect and be more damaging to marginalized groups, mainly women and more so Black women. There was an article written in the Harvard Business Review entitled The Angry Black Woman Stereotype at Work, where the authors wrote, and I quote, Anger is a commonly expressed emotion in the workplace, but our research has found that when some people see a Black woman become angry, they are likely to attribute that anger to her personality rather than inciting situation. They go on to say, this may be explained by attribution theory, a psychological theory that looks at whether people attribute causes of behaviors to either internal or external characteristics. An internal attribution occurs when the behavior is perceived to be about the person themselves. For example, we may think a Black woman expresses anger because she has an angry disposition. An external attribution occurs when the behavior is attributed to a frustrating or unfair situation. In this case, if we see an employee expressing anger at a supervisor, we might believe it's because her boss treats her unfairly, which leads to less negative assumptions about the person. They further go on to say, our research shows that not all people are treated the same when it comes to expressing anger in the workplace. And people react more negatively to Black women who express anger because they activate the stereotype of an angry Black woman and internal attributions. And this observation brings me to my second point. In conversations with two separate people, they made it clear that they felt the response that I received from the person during the meeting was situational rather than a character flaw. That is, poor choice of words or being caught off guard. However, neither acknowledged how they could have understood my frustration about the accusations that were brought up against me, considering that I proved that they were unequivocally false. To this day, as I reflect back on it, I do think in both instances, these people thought that they were being well-meaning regarding what they had to say. Yet I would be remiss if I did not say that I think their observations of the way the interaction occurred was steeped in some form of unconscious bias, even against themselves within the workplace. That is, they themselves see the role of women to be more agreeable in order to get their point across when the same is not true regarding men. So is there anything that can be done to combat this? Anne Converse Wilcom, assistant dean of the Graduate College at Drexel University, gave some suggestions broken down by when it happens to you and when it happens to others. I will share her thoughts intertwined with mine. If tone policing happens to you, label it with your manager and explain how this promotes both gender and racial stereotypes. Although this suggestion might be a good one, it will highly depend on the type of work culture that exists and if they are open to positive dialogue and change. So in this case, your mileage might vary. Share the directive with others to draw attention to it, B, 
because the policing often happens behind closed doors. I completely agree with this. I have shared this story with several of my friends and colleagues because I wanted them to, one, be generally aware of some of the things that were happening, and two, hope that sharing my story would help them to understand how to be more supportive in a positive way. When tone policing happens to others, call it out and label it. Do not sit in silence. This is something that I am trying to do as well because I think there has been a shift where the tactic of tone policing is no longer primarily being used by people in places of superiority to intentionally silence people, but is being used by well-meaning people that have accepted the status quo, albeit subconsciously, of how women should act in the corporate setting. Support women or any marginalized group and their perspectives, even if you don't agree. For me, this does not mean ignoring and not pointing out where there is room for growth and development on the part of that person, but rather validate their feelings. For example, saying, I may have approached it differently, but I can understand the frustration that led to this, and I hope that we can all learn from this and create an environment where situations like this do not escalate to this point as opposed to putting the onus on that person as to why their points, although valid, might not be heard by others. And as difficult as this one might be, and might not come naturally to most, when you are feeling ashamed or defensive based on something that a person said, how about you stop for a minute and try to acknowledge the intent rather than the emotion? The reality is, in most of these cases, People react negatively to what is being said and criticize the delivery because there is some truth to it. After all, as human beings, our default is to assign rather than accept blame or culpability. And lastly, as much as possible, try to seek out environments or companies with cultures that are open to discussions on difficult topics where emotions might be displayed and people are comfortable being uncomfortable. Also, seek out environments where respectfully challenging someone is not only allowed, but encouraged and welcomed by all. I would like to wrap up this episode quoting from that same article. Change cannot occur when the conversations and methods to silence certain people remain in the shadows. Change occurs because it bubbles up to the surface for all to see. Yes, it is messy because it pushes back against the status quo. But it is time to recognize that the status quo is merely a means of keeping things the way they have always been. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of They Said What? podcast series. If you enjoyed this journey and want to connect further, I invite you to follow me on Substack at Pharmasoul for insightful articles and updates. Also, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Visit my website, emeraldcitypharma.com for more resources or follow me on X at DeanWaris242. All the links are provided in the podcast description. Until next time.